Astros fans, cheers. Welcome to the Crawford Boxcast. The Houston Astros. Proudly poured for you by Crawford Bach from Carbach Brewing. You're getting down the beer. Oh my goodness. The Crawford Boxcast starts now. Here we go. Here's Chris Gordy and Michael Connor. And it is a postseason edition of the Crawford Boxcast. Michael Connor, Chris Gordy, brought to you by Carbach Brewing. And the Crawford Bach, the first of hopefully many of these in the month of October, Gordy. As it is set, we are sitting here Sunday morning at about 11.45 recording this po- podcast. And the Astros will play the Seattle Mariners, their division foe, Tuesday at Minute Maid Park. We don't have game times yet, but we can suspect, I think, accurately that it will be afternoon baseball the entire series because it's been that way for the Astros every single year when they play the ALDS, especially with the Yankees being in the postseason. They're going to put the Yankees in prime time. They're going to put the Astros during the day. But we will have postseason baseball between two teams that know each other very, very well and Seattle coming off of a series against Toronto where they kicked their ass in game one and then game two. I sat there and watched the entire game. And I, at one point, was sitting there saying, why am I still watching this baseball game when it was 8-1 to one and they won 10-9? to nine. I mean, one of the most epic comebacks you will ever see. Um, a hot baseball team right now. But I know that, you know, you might have some concern or whatnot. I still feel good. I don't think that there's any reason to not feel good going into this series because the Astros did it again this season. They hammered Seattle quite a bit in the regular season. Yeah, this is this is what you wanted. Uh, we were all kind of, you know, we talked about the matchups. I was nervous about Toronto. I just, you know, looked no further than Saturday where they put up nine runs, and that's an explosive lineup. And granted, I like the Astros pitching, but um, I just I just thought Toronto would, could be a very dangerous team. And I told you I had Kevin Gossman on my fantasy team all year. Yeah, he was so inconsistent. Alex Manoa very good for the Blue Jays. Gossman was just kind of up and down most of the season, and um, yeah, it, it came back to bite him. Robbie Ray was not good for the Mariners, but credit their bullpen. They got the job done when they needed to, and I think this is what you wanted if you're an Astros fan, if you're being honest with yourself. You want to face Seattle. Are they a scrappy bunch that are, you know, maybe ahead of schedule and their rebuild? Sure, but you're a much better team than them. You, you showed that throughout the, the regular season. I think even Brian McTaggart pointed out that uh, the Astros are 71-34 and 34 against Seattle since the start of the 2017 season. They're 39-17 and 17 against them at Minute Maid Park. So, you're right. Uh, we don't know game times officially yet, but sounds like it'll probably be two-day games on uh, Tuesday and Thursday if we're just playing the math. They're, they're going to want to put the Yankees Guardians in prime time. Dodgers out on the West Coast will play late night. So, process of elimination uh, Astros Mariners probably going to be afternoon games and it's funny Michael looking on ESPN right now the only thing the only thing that is set we don't have game times we don't know who Seattle's starting all we know is Justin Verlander has been announced as the game one starter yeah it's all that's officially been announced yeah so I went to the workouts on Saturday um, obviously uh, Dusty Baker made that uh, announcement as you would all expect him and then you just go back and I actually right before we did this I was sitting down starting my notes for uh, for when we're on the air uh, over this series against the Mariners. And you just go, look, there's so many – all the Astro starters, for the most part, like have unbelievable numbers against Seattle. But go look at Verlander this season. Six starts against them, 42 and a third innings, 5-1 and one record, 234 ERA, 43 strikeouts, six walks. 
did allow six home runs, but I think every single one of them was a solo shot. Uh, .921 whip, and then lifetime against them, 37 starts, 245 innings, 21 and 10, 309 ERA, 258 strikeouts, 49 walks, uh, 1.061 whip. And you go look at his numbers since he's been with Houston in 2017. He's flat-out dominated them. Um, and the good news, I think, for the Astros is they're probably going to be going up against um, Logan Gilbert in that one for Seattle. A guy who pitched really well against the Astros this season has incredible stuff. But you go back and look, he lost a few ball games to the Astros because he ended up facing – I think he faced Verlander twice at least. Um, and the Astros have a better starter there. You know, I – I don't want to like downplay this Seattle club by by any means because Gilbert's he's dangerous. Uh, the Astros have not seen Luis Castillo since the Mariners got him. He's downright filthy. You saw what he did in Game One against the Blue Jays. He'll probably pitch Game Two for Seattle. They have two guys right there that are definitely capable of shutting you down offensively. And the Astros can be shut down. We've seen it. But outside of that, you have to be just licking your chops, hoping Robbie Ray makes a start against you because you saw what Toronto did. We know what the Astros did to him in the regular season. And then you you mentioned the bullpen a minute ago. They got the job done for the most part. They've got their bullpen this year. The Seattle bullpen is not nearly as good as it was last year, and it's still pretty good. I just I think at the end of the day, you look at run prevention in this series. That's what's going to tell the story the most. And I know that Seattle can hit the ball over the fence. They were fifth in the American League in home runs this year. I think they hit just under 200 of them. But they hit 230 on the season. They were 14th out of 15 in the regular season in batting average. I know that batting average isn't everything. They just, with the the way that the Astros pitch, I don't expect them to score a lot of runs. It would take, it would take, it would be a total meltdown, in my opinion. It would be a complete flop by Astros pitching if they're giving up a ton of runs to this Seattle team in this series. Yeah, and, uh, you know, again, we, we saw the, the Mariners lineup put up some runs in in this past series. You know, there were certain guys that, that kind of scared you. Julio Rodriguez is going to be one of them. Uh, you know, Ty France, you know, just seemed to always kind of come up with with some big spots uh, against the Astros. But when you have Cal Raleigh hitting a home run in a big playoff spot. A big um, dumper, man. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's his nickname. Um yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I expect the Astros to take care of business. I would expect the pitching to be dominant. And I was just kind of looking. Uh, you, know, you mentioned Verlander's numbers. Fromber only faced Seattle twice this year. And ironically, yeah. they were back-to-back starts in uh, late July. Seven innings of three runs and six and two-third innings of three runs. So not, you know, dominant, but give, gives you... It was you, pretty good. I mean, he, yeah. he would go st- stands out in those numbers, though, that you bring up with Fromber. 15 walks or 15 strikeouts, just two walks. Yes, and I, you know what? I love the Fromber matchup because that Seattle lineup has a lot of left-handed pitch, a lot of left-handed hitting in it. I think Fromber is set to dominate if he has got his emotions under control. And just one of the other Mariners pitchers looking at Marco Gonzalez, his numbers against the Astros. He went one and three against them this year. Dominant outing back in April, went seven innings, gave up one run off four hits. But other than that, the Astros kind of got after him in the other three, and he took losses in all three of those. So, um, again, I think it's hard to look at this matchup, Michael, and outside of momentum, that would be on the Mariners' side. It's hard to see a, a statistical edge that Seattle would have in this series. Yeah. I mean, it's to me, the key – now, look, like, like any series, when you have the home field advantage, the number one thing here – with Verlander, who has been so dominant against Seattle for so long now, and like I said, with Fromber, 
you know, the overall numbers don't look as dominant. But look, if you can go out as a starter and give you seven innings of three run ball and six and two thirds of three run ball, you got a great chance to win those baseball games flat out. Maybe against for Frombery, he'll be up against Luis Castillo in that game too, and that's going to be a difficult one for him. But if he is able to rein it in and pitch like he typically does, especially again against a lineup that has so many left-handed hitters in it in that Seattle lineup, I think he'll do very well. If the Astros go out and they get dominant starts from those two guys to start a series and they take a 2-0 lead, they're not going to lose this series. I, I know that sounds too cocky to a lot of people, and I don't care that you're going on the road. It'll be feisty. Uh, you and I will be there in Seattle, thanks to Carbach Brewing for that, and I, and I know that's going to be one of the loudest atmospheres that we've probably ever been in in a postseason because they haven't been in the postseason since 2001. But if you take a 2-0 series lead like you're supposed to, uh, up there to Seattle. I have a hard time imagining you losing this series, like you said, because there's not a lot of statistical dominance there. And I just think at the end of the day, Seattle's biggest flaw, and I don't care. I asked Dusty the question yesterday when we were doing our media stuff with him. I asked him, you know, how much does familiarity of playing them 19 times help you set a roster in terms of matchups? Now, that's something we can get into here in a second. Um, but he talked about, you know, I can't get too much into it because – they didn't have Castillo when we played them. They didn't have Hanniger a lot when we played them. Right. But then I go look at the numbers of those guys and, and really with Hanniger and stuff, and you mentioned Cal Raleigh earlier. He's got power. He's an absolute problem. Ty France, I think, is, is, is going to be a pest in this series. Mm-hmm. A guy that didn't have a great season, the one that I know is going to bug everybody in this series, and he is going to be the guy I think we walk away with saying, I really hate watching the Astros face him. It's going to be Adam Frazier because he's this – He's this little short guy. He's a David Eckstein who takes a million pitches every at bat, and he just flips the ball all over the place and get little dinky hits here and there. Like he is an absolute nightmare at some point. But other than that, you keep the ball in the ball in the ballpark against this Seattle team. I don't think that they're going to have a great offensive output. Yeah, and Frazier, by the way, went four for nine in those two games against Toronto. So he was uh, he was pesky. Although, I mean, go look at the numbers. Almost everybody hit in that series for yeah. Seattle. Uh, I I think what you say is is very important about going up 2-0 in this series because when you look back at it, the – the series that that the Astros have lost in this last you know dominant year uh, five year run that they've been on six year run whatever it is now, um, you know has been those series where they lose one of those first two at home. You know, with, I think back to Boston. I think back to you know, obviously the the wonky Washington series where you you know not the the, the home team lost every game, uh, but you know the series throughout the playoffs when the Astros have lost, it's because they've lost one at home early. And uh, that's what's so important is is going up there and taking care of business. As Brian McTaggart pointed out, you know, game three on Saturday in Seattle will be the first home playoff game in 21 years. That place, remember, what, what was it, the, the home opener early in the year, Michael, when they sold out? You know, they, they, they were. It they was, no, it wasn't the whole, it was in the middle. It, I don't think it was the home opener, but it was like the first time. It was one of those times that it was at least semi close the yeah. division at the time remember all the the Mariners fans on Twitter were going the whole this is our somebody said like this is our World Series or something <laughs> and they sold it all out and the Astros went up there and swept them yeah but I remember talking with people who were there uh saying it got loud and it is going to get loud that place is going to be explosive on Saturday do not full fall in one of these early two games if the Astros go up to Seattle 1-1 uh, they're walking into a hornet's nest up there, and you know you're really going to put yourself behind the eight ball if you got to go uh, win both games out there in Seattle. So uh, again, take care of business, win these two at home, and I think that'll kind of lead into uh, a couple of our next topics. Michael, obviously, lineup, who's going to be in left field, and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But I did want to start 
We know Verlander will go game one. We assume Fromber will go in game two. Who is your game three starter Saturday in that hornet's nest in Seattle? You know, I went and looked again. This is me pulling up the numbers. I just I just started the pitching numbers right before we did this. And, you know, Christian Javier's overall lifetime numbers aren't terrible against them at all. Um, seven games, four career starts, two, three and one with a 208 but 23 strikeouts to 15 walks. Now, all those walks came, I think, basically it was last year or the year before where he had nine strikeouts, nine walks against them. So it's not a huge sample size lifetime against them, and he only made two starts against them this year, one and one with a five ERA. So he wasn't spectacular. Uh, he wasn't horrible, though. And I know that the five ERA doesn't look good, but it's nine innings pitch. He didn't, I think he gave up like four runs or some five runs. Um I think going and looking at McCullers' lifetime numbers because he did not face Seattle this season, and maybe that's part of the story here because a lot of these guys have not seen McCullers for a while. I think you have to go McCullers game three here. I think for if the Astros had faced the uh, Blue Jays, Javier would have gone game three. But McCullers' lifetime against Seattle, um, 18 starts, 10-3, and three, 280 ERA with 120 strikeouts and 11 walks and a 1.146 whip. I mean, flat-out dominant. Then you add in the fact that he's pitched really well at T-Bone Park as well. Nine career starts there, 50 and two-thirds, four and three record, 266 ERA, 62 strikeouts, 19 walks, five home runs, and the whip is right above one. I think you got to go McCullers game three. Um, And he pitched really well in his last start. Now, I know that he's – we talked to him yesterday as well. He's feeling good. He's got his uh, typical McCullers confidence going. I think he's your game three. And then if you – if you – the question will come down to what's the situation for a game four if you have to get there. Do you want to push somebody on short rest like we've seen them do with Verlander before? I don't think that they would. And then you go Javier. Yeah, I, I wonder, you know, and, and I'm with you. I, like, I I don't know. I, I think I would go McCullers in game three. I'm looking back. He's faced, he faced Seattle four times last year, and the numbers were good. A lot of strikeouts, a lot of ground ball outs. And um, and he was very effective. Now, again, it's a little bit of a different Seattle lineup just from last year. Uh, some new names, new faces in there. But I just like the pedigree, right? This guy's pitched in a lot of big games for you. And, um, you know, the problem, that, the, though, that I worry about is if you go McCullers, we know how managers get, and Dusty's in this group. They have such a short leash when it gets to the postseason. Mm-hmm. It's a sign of early trouble. McCullers lived with trouble this year when it, when he got back in he he you know would work himself into trouble put on runners but he worked out of ev- almost every one of those jams he worked out of throughout the year so you have to kind of weather the storm with him you know what i mean if if he starts that game saturday and he's dealing with some traffic allow him to work out of it rather than oh third inning he's got to he just walk two guys i got to go get him no like let him work out of it. If he's going to be the guy, stick with him. I just don't want to see Dusty pulling the leash on some of these guys so quick where it's like, granted, you have the luxury of you're probably going to have a Luis Garcia out of, out of the bullpen or, you know, whoever they decide to put back there or Keedy. But, you know, I, I just like if you're going to start a guy, man, stick with the guy. Let him give him an opportunity to uh, work out of trouble if he puts himself into trouble. See, that's the next question with roster construction here because the Astros, they've kind of handed that they may go shorter on the pitching staff. I think that that would be a mistake. I don't think that you have a need for all the position players that you might want to carry. I think that they should carry 13 pitchers in this series um, instead of the 12 that they've kind of floated the idea out there about. But you, you, you bring that up because McCullers and Javier, I think that you do have – 
one of your starters that's in the bullpen, how many you're carrying at that point available to come in uh, in those situations and take over ball games, whether it is Luis Garcia or a Hunter Brown. The question is going to come down to are both of those guys making the roster? And um, if they do, who's off still? Like, how, how is that going to work? I think my guess is we sit here today, rosters aren't due until – Tuesday morning, I believe it's 10 a.m. or 9 a.m. Central Time uh, is the exact time, but it is Tuesday morning for sure. When they ha- they're they going to have this, or they probably have a pretty good idea. I shouldn't say they probably have a pretty good idea. They know what they're going to do with the roster. They're just not going to tell us yet. Um, I think right now my guess is Hunter Brown doesn't make, the, doesn't make the ALDS roster, and I think that that's disappointing in my mind because I think having that weapon out of the bullpen with that kind of stuff would be nice to have. I think everybody needs to strap in for it right now. Will Smith is going to make this ALDS oh, roster. Because, why? go again, go look at it. They have so many left-handed bats, and you know how Dusty Baker works, and I know how Dusty Baker works, and it makes us vomit in our mouths. They're going to keep a lefty, man. It's going to happen. I just It, it seems it's pointless. Oh, un, so unnecessary. Give me Hunter Brown's dynamic stuff that he has and has been fearless uh, since he's come up, like, give me him. Will Smith has been downright bad, and I understand, yeah. you know, the idea of oh, but but in the postseason his numbers are good, and look how dominant he was for the Braves last year. To, to me, that seems more like the exception to the rule, and this is who he really is: is a guy who every time he comes in, he's going to either give up a solo home run or give up a couple of back-to-back hits. It's just kind of what he's done since he's put on an Astros uniform. I like the guy. He's a nice guy. I've interviewed him a couple times, but I just uh, I think that would be a mistake to, to put Will Smith. And, again, hopefully when they all sit down and figure this out, the analytics guys and the, the front office guys can win out over, you know, if, if that is what Dusty says he'd like, they can kind of say, well, but we're going to go this way. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm hoping that I'm wrong on this fact. I did watch Will Smith yesterday in the workout. He pitched in the uh, in the simulated game stuff or the uh, live BP stuff they did. He did fine in that, <laughs> but he was facing like Mauricio Dubon, Yuli Gurriel, and a bunch of guys. Real quick numbers on Seattle this season, by the way. Uh, against right-handed pitching this season, they hit 229 as a team. Against lefties, they hit 233. So a little bit of reverse splits there, but um, that I just think there's too many lefties, and I – and I do think that Hunter Brown will get left off, which which stinks uh, for him because I think he pitched really well and he showed that he's capable in the roles that they kind of put him in there. And you have a guy that can blow 100. Like, I'm just never going to not want a guy that can go out there and throw. Especially against a lineup. You go look at the Seattle lineup. Um, like I mentioned earlier, hitting 230 on the season. They were 12th in terms of uh, fewest. I mean, they were like, so they were bad at striking out. They struck out a total of thir- almost 1,400 times in the regular season. Um, and they have multiple guys. Cal Raleigh was over 100. Uh, Suarez is almost at 200 strikeouts. Winker, he, he's hurt right now. He's over 100. Even Julio Rodriguez struck out 145 times. Um, but they So they're capable of swinging and missing basically up and down that lineup. I just think it, it makes a lot of sense to have the guys that can create strikeouts. And we know how much basically contact, not being able to prevent contact matters in the postseason. Well, let's get into this then. Game one and game two, Tuesday and Thursday. Is Jordan Alvarez the starting left fielder in both those games? Is Chaz McCormick the starter in center for both those games? What role does Jake Myers play? 
Does Mauricio Dubon make the roster? And who is your starting DH? Do you go Alednis Diaz, or do you go Trey Mancini, who is one for his last 17? Okay, so my first guess, Jordan's playing left field almost every single day in the postseason. We'll see how they handle this, the outfield in Seattle. It's a little bit more spacious, but for games one and games two, Jordan is 1,000% starting left field. I think Chaz McCormick starts in center. He hit the ball well at the end of the season. Um, I think he showed some improvement in a lot of areas that I wanted to see, and he's a beyond capable center fielder. I think Dubon makes the roster because, again, my assumption that Hunter Brown doesn't make it and they go with more position players, he makes the roster. Jake Myers, without a doubt, making it because they want the late-game late defense. Um, if Chaz doesn't hit, I think they give Jake a chance before they give Dubon a chance. Um, and DH, man. I don't know where you go. I, I don't think that you can go Trey Mancini at the moment. I think you have to go Aledmus Diaz. Yeah. Uh, I just, uh, look, you, you appreciate the acquisition of Mancini. He's been a great guy and, you know, has meshed well in the locker room. It's just outside of that basically first two-week heater when he first got here, when they, you know, the games that they did play him, when he was crushing all those home runs, he's been a big fat nothing. And, yeah. You know, for, for the past month plus, and – it's hurt you, and Aledmus Diaz has shown, you know, his op- he's made the most of his opportunities. So uh, I would prefer his bat in there. Again, you're just missing that big hole. You really wish you had a Michael Brantley to solidify this lineup. Um, and by the way, Aledmus Diaz has won for his last 19, so it's not, yeah, like, not, very good either. not like he's been crushing it lately. But overall, um, I've liked his numbers at least the last couple of months than I have Mancini. Yeah. I just think that that's, that's the way that you're going to go uh, in this series. And you just kind of play matchups at that point. Um, you know, again, game one, you're going to get Logan Gilbert. I need to pull up how Astros hitters did against him this season. I know that wasn't fantastic. Uh, game two, they're going to get um, Luis Castillo. Then the pitching gets a little bit wonky because then you'd play the rest of the series without days off. So how exactly that works. and Logan Gilbert, by the way, it looks like four starts against the Astros this year. The two in July, he went six innings, two runs, five hits in both of them. Uh, the start in June, he went six innings of three-run ball, and in May, seven innings of shutout ball. So he's been yeah. pretty effective against them. He's good. and uh, Some guys in the lineup that have good numbers against him, Altuve, uh, 421 against him lifetime with a home run. Jordan 294 with a home run. Bregman 412 with a home run. Those are the biggest. Those are the best uh, that they have in the in the lineup. All the Astros hitters that are on the roster combined against him lifetime 270 with three home runs. So it's like it's not like they can't get hits against him. Uh, but he's like you mentioned. He's had some pretty good uh, runs. And I'm just real quick looking for, I don't see Trey Mancini on here and Diaz is 0 for 4 lifetime against him. So maybe your decision, I mean, your decision really doesn't have anything to do with that. You know what, uh, you know what I like, I like though, when we talk about this lineup, it's going to be Altuve leading off. And I assume Jeremy Pena slide into that, that's that second slot again. He has been so good the last few weeks. I'm looking at it right now. Pena's got a hit in 13 of his last 17 games. Uh, the four games in October, he went six for fourteen. That's a four twenty nine average. That's what you want. Jeremy Pena, you know, start off red hot and kind of cooled off in you know all those months throughout the middle of the season, and then here in the last month or so, his the bat has come back around and he's starting to hit again. So 
that's what we were kind of worried about. You know, at one point we're like, man, are they really going to have to hit Pena second in the postseason? And he's struggling like he is. He's kind of turned that thing around. Yeah, they they need him to find a way to be a guy that can get on base a little bit uh, ahead of Bregman and Alvarez. I think, well, Alvarez and then Bregman, how they handle it, and then uh, Tucker behind them just to give them opportunities to drive in some runs. But I feel good about it. So let's just go ahead and do it as we're starting to uh, wind down this Crawford box cast again, brought to you by Carbach Brewing and the Crawford Bach. Let's make our predictions. What do you got? Um, you know, I think the Astros, I think they win these first two just because I think you have to. I think it's vitally important. I think they maybe lose game three in Seattle just because I think that place is going to be like a powder keg. And, you know, we'll see what t- what time the games are. Keep in mind, they did have a night game in Chicago last year. Uh, I think you were you were Did up they? there for it. It, it. it was like a late that Sunday game. I think was like oh, later. it was. It was like eight o'clock at night. Yeah, so maybe they end up with one of those in Seattle. Well, I mean, it might be a day. It might be a night game for those in Houston, but for you and I, when we're in Seattle, oh, that's still true. Be, yeah, it'll still West be in Coast. the evening. Yeah, yeah, because I you know, you know what I think is going to happen. They're going to play three o'clock games all series long, and they'll be. The Seattle games will be 1 o'clock Houston time. That's just my guess. Yeah, we'll see if they appease West Coast time with with Seattle. But uh, I think they lose game three. I think they win in four. Um, Do not make this thing have to come back to Minute Maid Park for a game five like you did with the Rays recently. Yeah, that's a lot of stress to have. I, you know, I think that that's that's the way I'm going to go. I will say this right now. If the Astros win games one and two, I think I'd be. I think I'll pick them to sweep at that point. And I know that sounds nuts. I just like Lance McCullers a lot in that situation against that team, and no. I don't. I I know that that's crazy. Like you and I have been to so many games in the postseason now throughout the years. The Astros have only they've only swept twice. They swept a, a ALDS against the Cleveland then Indians back in 2018, and they we didn't go to this one because it was COVID. But they swept the Twins in the best of three wild card a few years ago. So picking sweeps is difficult, but I like I do think that you put if you put Seattle down in the first two, them being a team that has so few guys that have, you know, been there and done that before. And maybe I know that there's the emotion of playing your first postseason game at home and all those years, like the drought up there. You've I've read a lot from those players about how much it means to them to to be the ones to end this for them. I just I like McCullers in that spot, so it wouldn't shock me if the Astros who get if they got up two zero they were able to finish it in three. But now I'll, I'll stick with you. I think the four game, um, the four Astros and four would be the way to go. Real quick too, we know that the the matchup for who the Astros could face after that Cleveland and New York is going to happen. Want to make a pick on that one real quick? I mean, look, I think it's going to be the Yankees, but man, I'd love to see the Guardians steal one from that's, you know, I, I joked about that a few weeks ago when everybody was, you know, when the Astros had played the, uh, I want to say it was right out of the All-Star break when they played those that doubleheader with the Yankees and all these people were like, oh man, I can't wait for an ALCS of a rematch of these two. And I'm just like, guys, it never works out how you want it, right? There's always some surprise team that kind of, uh, you know, catches catches lightning in a bottle and this Guardians team man their pitching was so dominant that uh in those two quick games like I don't know man I think they're gonna give the Yankees some fits and you know we'll see if Aaron Judge could get carry the hot bat into the postseason obviously he's uh he's a guy who's strikes out I think in over a third of his postseason at bats so uh Stanton hitting uh, how how's the rest of that lineup doing but I'm gonna say the Yankees just because I think it'd be stupid not to 
But, man, I, I think the Guardians absolutely have a chance that we could be talking an Astros-Guardians ALCS. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right. I think people don't give uh, – now Cleveland, the question is going to be, can they hit enough? They didn't hit versus Tampa. Um, they didn't need to. Man. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't need to at all. You're right. Their pitching is it's filthy. And I mean, like if you're looking too far ahead, like they'd be they'd be a tough matchup for the Astros because they pitch so well. But that's yeah, the Astros got to get through Seattle. You don't want to be the team that's looking at the Seattle series and going, well, that was the team that surprised and got past a uh, a very good team. But I do know one thing: when we're doing this all postseason long, we're going to be on the road, Gordy. Once again, we're going to be doing it thanks to our uh, friends from Carbach Brewing, and uh, we'll be drinking some some ice cold Crawford box as well. Yeah, I got to see if I can uh, fit some into my carry-on and how I can bring some Crawford Bach with us out to Seattle. But, yeah, all of our uh, road postseason coverage, once again, presented by uh, Carbach Brewing and the great Crawford Bach. It is that time of year, Michael. Weather's starting to uh, get more and more comfortable out there. I know that they, uh, the folks at Carbach want to let you guys know if you're looking for a spot to watch some of these postseason games, if you can't get tickets to Minute Maid Park, or if you can't, you know, not going out to Seattle and you want a place to watch these games, what better spot than go over to the beer garden at Carbock Brewing? They're going to have it up, up on the Jumbotron, on the TVs, uh, on the little patio area. And, uh, man, like if it is going to be 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock start, something like that that we're thinking, man, uh, knock off of work a little bit early, head on over to Carbock and go watch all the Astros action over there and enjoy some ice cold Crawford Bach. Best thing to do, best place to watch, like you mentioned. I mean, look, the weather's getting good, too, so you might as well be outside. I mean, it's not too hot. Uh, it's kind of perfect. There's less humidity in the air, and those beers, they start flowing like wine, especially when the Astros win. Uh, that, that's the best part is that you're going to go out there and watch them win some baseball games, some postseason baseball games again. It's crazy to think, you know, we get in the middle of these seasons and they take forever, it feels like at times. But here we are once again, another postseason run, uh, and why not do it with the perfect beer once again for Astros baseball that is that ice-cold Crawford box. Again, we hope this is the first of many of these with you guys throughout the postseason. You can always catch them here at sports790.com. Uh, we'll be talking to you again soon, hopefully when the Astros have a series victory over the Mariners in the American League Division Series.